welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Paws and Presto. So without further ado, let's get going. Welcome everyone. We are talking to Vicky from Time is Money Bookkeeping and we've got uh, loads to talk about tonight. So welcome Vicky, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's all right. All the kids are asleep. They are finally asleep, thankfully. (laughs) That's why we were a little bit later than normal. Vicky just had to uh, sort the kiddies out and uh, put them to bed before we started this talk. So um, yeah, welcome to the group. Uh, Like I said before we went live, there's been a few people waiting for this talk because um, money, bookkeeping, accounts, you know, it's a bane of our lives. It's a necessity within business. And uh, we want to get to a point where it's as easy as possible. And that's where your you and your business comes in, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about um, yourself and how you got into business and uh, a little bit about your business, your company. Yeah, so um, I studied business and finance at college. And when I left college, I worked in accounts departments for a few different types of industries. The last one was a actually an investment bank. And then I always claim that I had my midlife crisis a little bit early. And um, I left and became a police officer because why wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) And um, after doing that for a number of years, um, the kids came along and it just wasn't a sustainable occupation, even part time to be working shifts with young children. Um, So I decided to go back to my financial roots and I set up my own bookkeeping company, Pence time is money is ball mm-hmm. and it gives me the freedom to work with different people but also to work that around family commitments and needs so I'm able to do school runs and drop-offs and not panic if the kids are ill and can't go to school and stuff like that so yes it will win-win for everybody really in our house and uh, and take holidays when you need to and want them. Yes, yes. Not worry about half term approaching or the Easter holidays or anything like that. Yeah. What did you do? Um, I obviously knew you were in the police, but what did you do when you were in the police? What did you? So for the last, oof, probably about the last six or eight years of it, I was a um, detective constable. Nice. And I worked a lot in safeguarding around missing people and child sexual exploitation and lots of different areas around safeguarding and working with a lot of young people so completely different now isn't it and now you're working with business owners yeah i know so um tell us like um time is money bookkeeping you know do you, uh what sort of industries do you work with um pet groomers any other industries at all yeah i work with tradespeople. Self-employed tradespeople. I work with. Um, I work with some broker companies. Um, I've got a real variety from interior designers to online retailers. A real broad spectrum, which is what I like. I like. A, I like. Yeah, you I know. I like all the different aspects of it, and it's really good to get your teeth into different things because all different businesses come from different angles and need different have different requirements so that makes it really interesting cool and have you got a particular favorite 
um, accounting software system that you use or do you use all of them? Uh, I can use several different ones, but my absolute favourite is Zero. I am a Zero girl through and through. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It is my favourite. And Any I'm currently um, I just find it, it, besides the fact it's really compatible with a lot of HMRC requirements, and there's a lot of HMRC requirements that you can do directly from Zero software. Um, I just, I just find it really easy to navigate. I find it a lot simpler than some of the other software systems out there. It's all horses for courses, isn't it? And at the it moment, is. we've we've got uh, zero for my business, and then um, QuickBooks for the other business. So we're sort of testing out the both of them. Yeah, but, um, it is my favourite. so maybe um you can just tell us a little bit about what the difference is between um accountants and accounting and and bookkeepers it's a really good question actually and it's one that i get asked quite a lot what's the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant so bookkeepers are really the first part of the accounting process so making sure that all your records are in order, all the financial data is in order, everything gets allocated to the right ledgers. And it's basically to make the transition for an accountant when they come to do, calculate your corporation tax or prepare your company accounts. I, as a bookkeeper, I'll work very closely with the accountants for my clients and it just smooths that process. So I always like, and if you've ever worked in a big company that's had a finance department Mm. and you'd have all different aspects to the finance department. So you'll have someone doing the purchase ledger, which is making sure the supplier invoices are signed off and paid. And then you'd have someone doing the sales ledger that makes sure all the customer invoices go out and they're all paid. And there's all those different aspects. That's the bookkeeping. It's all those different roles and depending on the client's needs, depends on how many of them you do. And then you'd have your nice finance director in his in their lovely comfy office doing all the budgeting and the forecasting and all of that. And that's the accountant, basically. Yeah. And is do you work with um, companies, limited companies, but do you work with sole traders as well? Yeah. Sole traders and limited companies. I've got, um, I'm probably 50-50 with my client base. And is it the same process for both? Yeah, sole traders, um, they only have to worry about their tax self-assessment um, and they tend to be a little bit more disorganised. They're, they're normally the ones at the end of the year that will rock up with a big box full of receipts. Or carrier bag. Yeah, a carrier bag. My dad always had a carrier bag, always, <laughs> when he was self-employed. Um, <laughs> but the process is exactly the same. It's working through what income has come in and what expenses have gone out and which ones are allowable in relation to tax. Cool. And then you mentioned ledgers. What What's a ledger? Can you sort of break that down for us? Yeah. So all the different things that you spend money on in your business get attributed to what we call ledgers. And they're basically the different allowable expenses. So any advertising costs or any branding or anything like that, that would be classed as an advertising and marketing. So you'd have a ledger for advertising and marketing. Any software that you use, and you could use lots of different types of software, they would all go to IT and consumables. 
And what that helps to do is break down at the end of the year what ones are allowable. And it also gives you a bit of an insight into how much you're spending on specific items. So you might look and think, oh, my God, did I really spend that much on advertising? What did I actually get back from that advertising? And but and if it's all lumped into one, you wouldn't know that that was your breakdown. So it helps you to plan going forward what you need to look at. If you need to bootstrap and pull some finances back, what areas can you look at cutting and stuff like that? So the different ledgers are all the different aspects that your expenses go on to keep your business running. Yeah, and again, is that the same for sole traders and and yeah, again, I break it down for sole traders as well. Yeah, so it must be quite useful at the end of the year, or can or I suppose at any time they can come into their system and just go right. What have I? What am I spending my money on? Yeah, any time. I d- I did a review recently with a sole trader, um, and we looked at the advertising budget, and it was all going into one particular place. But we worked out there wasn't a lot of revenue coming back from this particular advertising. Mm-hmm. So we reassessed it and worked out where that money could be better spent placing that advertising to draw in the kind of clientele that they needed. So you're kind of like, I always call an accountant like the critical friend of a business, but you're kind of on that par as well, aren't you? Yeah. 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 I have some difficult conversations sometimes, but they're conversations that have to be had in order to help someone to drive their business forward. The last thing I want as a bookkeeper is to see someone run their business into the ground. Mm. I know from, because I use yourself as a bookkeeper, I know that um, you nudge your clients (laughs) and say, you know, are you uh, saving for your corporation tax? Are you, you know, you're coming near to the VAT threshold. You need to look at that and keep an eye on it. So in the background, you're kind of, keeping a beady eye on my on my books and my yep. finances and seeing what's coming in and going out so yeah I'm like I'm like it's like giving your mum your wages isn't it and then asking for spending money a little bit but it's just <laughs> it's just making sure that people aren't spending outside of, of their actual cash flow and mm-hmm. in order to keep their business running and on track and yeah it's all the different things like knowing that you're coming up to the threshold for VAT because that's really important. And make even little things like something will crop up on an account and I'll I'll message and say, did you spend this at this place? Because it's not something I've seen before or I couldn't relate it to something just to make sure no one's done something dodgy on your account or got hold of your details and stuff like that. We're just going to take a quick break to mention our sponsor, Pause and Presto. Our pet grooming business uses Pause and Presto towels and have found them to be more absorbent when drying dogs, quicker to wash, quicker to dry, and they take up less room in the salon. They also weigh less than normal towels when wet and come in a wide range of colours. To find out more, visit pawsandpresto.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. So this kind of um, feeds into uh, record keeping, doesn't it? So um, tell us a little bit about um, what record keeping is and so we can understand it and break down some of the terminology and then the importance of record keeping within your business. So HMRC, it's a requirement that anyone that runs a business keeps good records. They have to keep good and accurate records. Sole trader and limited? Sole trader and limited, you need to keep records. So HMRC can decide to audit or sometimes they call it investigate anybody at any time. And there might not even be a rhyme or reason to it. You could just be the unlucky one that gets 
kicked out of the poll. And you do not want to be caught with bad record keeping. Um, they can fine you £3,000 just like that if they think that your records aren't being kept properly. And nobody wants that. No. And then you, you're then on their radar, aren't you? So you're likely to be scrutinised quite a bit going forward. And nobody wants that either. So record keeping, it's referred to as the six-year rule. So you're required by HMRC to keep all your records for six years from the end of the tax year that they relate to. So if your tax year, as a sole trader, say your tax year was from April 2021 and it's going to finish on the 5th of April 2022, any records pertaining to that have to be kept until April 2028. Mm-hmm. And the great thing now is, we're, we're, you know, HMRC are getting more with the times. Before, everyone used to have cupboards and lofts full of big folders full of paper but they will accept now if you keep your records digitally. So that's like uploading the receipts onto the system and stuff like that. Yeah. I've still got a lot of paperwork though. (laughs) It's hard not to sometimes. (laughs) And the other other thing is, you know, when you go into a, or if you have a customer come in and they tap their card contactless on the card machine, they'll only get... um, well, you get a receipt, don't you? But they don't. So we retain that receipt, don't we? Yeah, yes, I thought so it was the other way around. But Yeah. Uh, till rolls, people sometimes forget this, but till rolls are classed as part of your record keeping. Mm. So that's the one bit that you can't really digitalise at the moment. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so any um, if you spend any petty cash, so you keep the receipts from any petty cash that's spent, um, it could be orders or delivery notes, mm-hmm. um, any invoices you make. I mean, not so much probably with your groomers, but any client invoices that you send out, they're part of your record keeping. Um, till rolls, receipts, anything like that. And if you've got employees, payroll. The retention on that is three years, not six, but you still have to keep um, your copies of any pay slips, your copies of any um, information that you've used to calculate that. So any information in relation to annual leave, sickness leave, maternity leave, uh, paid overtime, anything like that, you have to keep those records for three years. I'm kind of assuming, or maybe I'm hoping now, that the person that does our payroll has will be also be keeping that kind of information for us. They should do, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but yeah, there's again, there's many other, there's lots more other softwares out there that can retain um, pay slips for your employees and stuff like that. But, um, as, you know, when you get a bag of receipts, do, do you, you then go through and put them all in to classify them and put update the ledgers and then you just give them back a nice, neat, sort of box full of receipts for them to go and store I take it I actually give mine back in nice folders in oh yeah but that's just me because I'm a bit like that and I I like a nice folder and I like coloured page dividers and (laughs) inserts but yeah no I don't hand them back in boxes I do hand them back in nice folders Mm. but yeah it's yeah you can still end up if you've got one of those people that hoards on to lots of paperwork 
it's a lot of storage. Yeah. So we get all this information coming in and then um, transactions and, and invoices and bills and receipts. And then um, we need to reconcile it, don't we, against our bank statement or against the systems that we use? What's, what happens with that? So reconciliation is a word that's for some reason scares a lot of people or they don't quite understand. And my mum is in her 70s and she's been reconciling her personal bank account for as many years as I can remember. And she still does it to this day. So she will, whenever she purchases something, she will never go without a receipt. She'll always make sure she gets a receipt. Mm-hmm. And every month she gets her bank statement and she sits there and ticks off the receipt against the payment to make sure that it was the right amount. It went to the right and that nothing else untoward has come out of her account. And that's basically what reconciling is, making sure that your supplier invoices that you've paid match up with what money has gone out of the bank and vice versa, that your customer money matches what's gone into the bank. And I think this is where I massively tripped up with um, QuickBooks, where I fell for the adverts, I suppose, and it's sort of like, it's really easy, you just scan your receipts, but I didn't do any kind of reconciliation of the bank statements. And then once something goes a little awry within these systems, it all starts to fall out of place, isn't it? And I think that's what what happened with me. Yeah. And the longer you leave it, and some people, and it would frighten me to do it, but some people will wait until the end of their financial year to then start looking at their receipts. Mm. And then you've got a whole year's worth of backtracking to make sure everything adds up and balances. And if there are any issues... It's a lot easier to try and reconcile them while they're fresh in your mind as opposed to when they were months down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And once you have little errors in your systems, they then start to escalate into bigger and bigger errors, which then cost you a lot of money to then go and sort out. And, you know, I've been there. We've done that. We, We digitalized. We used to run our business off a spreadsheet off Excel spreadsheet, and then um, the the legislation changed, making tax digital came in for um, VAT, to pay your VAT digitally. And then, so we signed up to the, the systems and then it all started going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it becomes quite expensive to unpick it and unravel it. And even now, like a year or two into it, we're still... Um, unraveling it a little bit. I don't think we've ever been quite up to date. So, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that if you can try and start getting it right from the beginning, but it's all software. You know, it's it, it all can have its glitches at times. None of it is foolproof, which is why you need that human element to double check and double check and. As much as I I look through your stuff, you also go through and double check and double check, and we've got that that extra yeah. extra layer of security, so to speak, that where we're both having a look. So, will you actually take your client's bank statement and then go through every single transaction and um, put it into a ledger, so allocate it to a to a ledger, and then make sure that all the spending and all the income is there? Yeah. Cool. And this is a question that comes up a lot. And um, 
something that we don't deal with because we've got a card machine that pays us the full amount every time. But a lot of people are now using um, Square, some up low pay card machines. So when the bank, so, so your system picks up your bank feed and uh, mirrors your bank feed. So what's coming into your bank. So you might take um, 50 pounds from a customer on Monday and then Tuesday, uh, £49.30 goes into your bank, then that gets copied across onto whatever system you're using. How do you um, then reconcile? How, how difficult is it? Or have you got any tips or tips, um, tricks on how to reconcile that payment without having to remember what everyone's like done or paid you and stuff? Yeah, so generally, if you know the percentage that your card provider is charging, mm-hmm. um you calculate that on. So with, I think, well, about 1.79%. Yeah, I think sum up is 1.69, isn't it? Or sum of 1.79. So if you look at the amount that's come in mm-hmm. and times that by 1.0169, that will give you the amount that it should have been. It will tell you how much has been taken off. And then you go and match that with a customer. So then you can match that with your customer and the difference you would allocate to bank fees. Right. <laughs> That's, that Does that start to get quite um, complicated or laborious? or? Um, it can do at times. They're, they're probably the trickier transactions because different different pay providers and different machines charge different rates. So you have to keep reminding yourself, right, that's that's that one that charges this. So we've got to work out this amount. Yeah. Some are really good because they'll send you a statement of how much they've taken in fees. So then you can work that out on a monthly basis. But yeah, it's difficult. I had to do it recently with um being treasurer of the preschool committee mm-hmm. and they now take card payments for their fees and I have to sit and work out the, the fee percentage and all of that so yeah it, they are the trickier ones but you once you're doing them mm-hmm. and you get used to doing them it becomes a bit more fluid and it becomes a bit more natural and I suppose some people don't even real, realize actually that they, I suppose to begin with, they expect to have the full amount land in their bank and then they, they don't. Yeah. So some people think they're going to get the full amount and then get a bill for the fees and it doesn't work like that. They will take the fees at source and then pay you the remainder. Yeah. Cool. So we kind of touched on what, what reconciliation is and how to do it. And then obviously we've touched on it, the consequences. Have you got any other consequences for not, if you don't reconcile your your accounts yeah i mean there's a number of things that can happen the first is you could be the victim of fraud and not know it if you're not checking and reconciling your bank account regularly and fraudsters are quite savvy they'll start off they'll take your 20 quid here and then oh no one's flagged that up right we'll take 40 quid and then it increases and it increases and you can't rely that your bank is going to spot that that's a dodgy payment straight away unless they've had other complaints and if you're not flagging it out they might think oh it's someone they're using then especially if you've got lots of transactions coming in and out 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean to say that when you do flag it up, you won't get your money back, but that can take time. And that that's time and interest that could have been going towards your business because that money could have still been in your account. So that's one of the things. Secondly, um, you might have customers that haven't paid you yet and you don't, you haven't realised. Yeah. If you're not checking, how do you know that all your payments are up to date? Yeah, um, and there'll be... Not so much necessarily for the groomers because a lot of them are going to take money as they're doing the work. But um, for some other businesses, if you're not checking your account regularly, you could have outstanding invoices and people owing you money that you haven't chased because you haven't realised. Well, you... And likewise... Sorry, go on. Yeah, you say that. Actually, there may be some groomers and there are quite a few that just do bank transfer. So um, it might be that they're they're chasing chasing for the money or they're not realised that the money's gone in. Yeah. And you get busy and you might forget that that one or two people were going to pay by bank transfer. And then it's not until later down the line. And, and then it's that awkward conversation of going back and saying, remember that job I did for you two <laughs> months ago when I saw, when I made your dog look lovely and beautiful? <laughs> you still haven't transferred me that money. And that can make, it can make for an awkward relationship with your clients and customers as well, which you don't want. Whereas if you can nip that in the bud and, and if it's a few days later and they go, oh, yeah, sorry, it's been really, really and it just makes it easier. <laughs> Yeah. For your relationships. I know a groomer that hadn't been paid for a whole year for all of their work and they didn't realise. Yeah. <laughs> so it can happen. Yeah. It's it's one of the reasons why you want to be checking regularly. At least monthly, you want to be making sure that the money you're expecting to come in has come in. Mm-hmm. And likewise, we're paying your suppliers. And I can give you two examples of this recently actually um i was checking a client's account i was doing the reconciliation and i spotted that two days running they'd paid the same supplier the exact same amount Hmm. and i know that that supplier's invoices are normally once every two or three weeks so i spoke to the client and i said joe did you know that you've paid this supplier this amount two days running and they've done it in error they've paid it one day and then completely forgotten they've paid it and paid it again the second day but if that had been months down the line again not to say they wouldn't have got that money back from the supplier but they'd have had the supplier would have had to go back through all their transactions and it would have taken a lot longer whereas they were able to put a quick phone call in and it all got it all got remedied really quickly um and i had another one the other week they had two suppliers that offer that do a very similar service for them. And they paid supplier A for supplier B's invoice. And they're two completely different amounts and everything. And they just got confused when they were doing their payments. But I was able to say, oh, hold on, you need to speak to them because you've paid them and they haven't actually invoiced you yet. And you want to pay them because otherwise they're going to get really upset. But you think you've paid them, but you haven't. And it's little things like that because that can really affect your working relationships with your suppliers as well. Yeah, and also I was just thinking then about our our books, and we use we use eBay and PayPal quite a lot to buy goods, and PayPal seems to be a bit of a bane of for me trying to locate the transactions all the time because all you get on a bank statement sometimes is PayPal 
PayPal, PayPal, and then you have to start going back through it and um, sort of saying what what they were for. Yeah, PayPal's not brilliant at letting you know who you've paid or what the payment was for. Mm. Um, but I do accept there's a lot of um, online retailers now that like their payments through PayPal. I don't know why, because their fees are quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people, I think, just find it easier to receive payments through PayPal. Do you um, link into people's accounts? I mean, do you, do you get access to people's PayPal and... Amazon and stuff like that, so you can go in and have a look and see yeah, what's if, being if, spent. I'll always ask clients if I can have access to certain accounts, and um, most of them are happy for me too. And it, it just means that I don't have to I say harass, but I don't have to ask as many questions to the client. They can be busy getting on with their business stuff, and I can just access it and look it up rather than have to keep going and saying, Do you know what you spent on this? or Do you know what this was for? I can go in and just check and get it all done. The, um, I know you can on Amazon, you can allow people on a business account, you can allow people to go in on your behalf and have it, you know, order books or order, they can buy stuff or they can just look at the um, the account and see what's going on, can't they? Yeah, and you can limit because so with a lot of accounts, you can um, you can give read only access, which is all I, I need to any of those accounts is read-only access. So I can't actually do anything on those accounts. All I can do is go through and check what the transactions were. Yeah, and then allocate them out. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, we kind of done done the rules around bookkeeping, haven't we, with the HMRC, six, six years for your uh, records and then three years for um, wages. That's gone in. <laughs> I'm sure my uh, accountant will have been keeping those. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about BAT and how how does how do the bookkeepers sort of uh, help out when you're when you're VAT registered. So this is another reason why it's really important to regularly reconcile your account. So if you're not already VAT registered, you need to be keeping an eye on approaching the VAT threshold. So the, the VAT threshold is £85,000. So once your turnover hits £85,000 and it's in a 12-month period and I think where people get confused is they might end a financial year and they weren't on that and then they think it starts again at the next financial year. It doesn't. It's a rolling 12-month period. Well, they wish it starts again. Well, <laughs> no one would pay back if that was the case a lot of the time. And the implicate there are implications to not notifying HMRC in a timely manner that you are approaching the back threshold. So they can impose fines. Um, they can impose a failure to notify penalty, but also they will expect you to pay any VAT for that period when you should have become VAT registered, regardless of whether you've been charging your clients VAT. Mm. So that's going to cost you in the long run because you won't have been adding VAT onto your prices or including VAT into your prices, but you're still going to be expected to pay the VAT for that period to HMRC. Discovering that you should have been VAT registered four months ago HMRC, they won't, and they're not into excuses either. They don't really care. The fact of the matter for them is you should have been VAT registered four months ago. You owe us four months worth of that. So I didn't know doesn't wash. No. 
<laughs> no, it doesn't wash at all. <laughs> no, the dog, the dog at that leaflet with that information on doesn't wash. None of that washes. And to give you some examples, so if you are late registering, um, nine months or under, they will charge you 5% of what you owe on top of what you owe. Um, between nine and 18 months, 10%. And over 18 months, 15%. And bearing in mind, as I say, in that period, you won't have been including VAT in your prices because mm-hmm. you weren't aware you should have been VAT registered or you hadn't realised. It, it It's a costly expense. It's, um, yeah, it's an expensive mistake to make. So not only do you sort of, you keep an eye on the accounts and you obviously put the nudges in as and when people are starting to come up to the, the threshold and start preparing for it. Um, how do you help people once they're over the VAT threshold as a bookkeeper? So I make sure then um, every quarter that everything is up to date and that we have all the invoices that we need to show that VAT was paid. So any supplier invoices where you pay VAT and it's UK VAT, some people um, don't realise that as well. So I had a client who sent me a load of invoices through to try for their VAT return. And they were Dublin, America, China, and they had their own VAT on it. And I was like, you can't claim that VAT back because it's not UK VAT. So it's only UK suppliers. Um but you ne- I need to see the invoices to see that they had they charged you VAT. Mm-hmm. So I would make sure that all the invoices with VAT, we've got copies of all of those, and I'll make sure that everything is tallied up and reconciled. That three-month period is all ticked off, and we've got all the paperwork we need. But yeah, I'm going, I'm going through this at the moment with our um, pet groomers. We've come to the end of the quarter, and um, before I've gone into QuickBooks and um, said yes to the VAT invoice and sent that off to HMRC. I've asked our bookkeeper to go over it and make sure that all the figures were, were flat rate VAT. So he just needs to go through all the money that we've taken in. And uh, once he gives us the nod and says, yep, I'm happy with all the figures are correct, um, I can then send the, the VAT return off to HMRC and then pay, pay the bill. But I don't want to be paying too much, you know, if the figures are wrong. Uh, obviously, uh, if you pay not enough, you can always sort of catch it up. And I suppose if you pay too much. If you pay too much and uh, you don't realise it, they'll probably just take it off your next quarter. But if you pay too much and don't realise it, they'll just they'll keep the money. They don't check this stuff, do they? It's all done on trust between you and the and the HMRC. And it is a lot of trust, yeah. A lot of it is done on trust. I was always very surprised at that. It's like... You declare what VAT that you need to pay and then you go and pay it. I was always like completely, I think other people just think, oh, HMRC will let me know if I've got it wrong. They don't. No. They just take take you on, on face value. And if you've paid too much tax, they don't come and tell you, do they? No, unless you notify them that you've got it wrong and that you've actually overpaid them, mm. they're never going to be forthcoming and giving you money back. No. No. So you just go in and check all the figures, make sure the VAT is correct, and then give them the nod. Do you actually, can you, I mean, do you have access to people's accounts? So you go in and pay it for them? Or is that always something that we have to do as a B 
business owners? No, um, I can, for some on zero, I can do. I can do the submissions. Um, and others, if they're on different softwares and I can't, then my brother's an accountant. So I do. he does it through his agent's account for me. So, so yeah, that's just that sending off the submission, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, cool. And tell us about the sort of preparation for end of year accounts. Um, what sort of stuff do you do, especially if mine, mine's coming up soon, so it'll be quite interesting what you're going to do for me. Um, what sort of, what's the process as we come up to the end of year accounts? So besides the fact that making sure everything's been reconciled for the whole year and it's all been allocated to the right places, um, I then go through and double check um, and make sure that everything looks right. So I'll go into, say, I'll go into your advertising and marketing. I always use that one because it's the first one on the list when it runs yeah. alphabetically. So it's not that I'm, I've got, I'm a big fan of advertising and marketing. Um, and I'll just make sure because I am human as well. And I might look down and go, oh, no, hold on. That's not, I know that should be in IT. And then, so I will go through each of the ledgers to make sure that everything looks right. Um, and we'll go through and double check and say, I will say to you things like your mobile that you use for your business, you pay that out your personal account. How much is it? We need to allocate for that because mm -hmm. that's a business expense. So although you've not paid it out of your business account, it still needs to be attributed to your business expenses Besides the fact that that will help to keep your corporation tax down, yeah. it, it is a business expense. So we need to show that it's allocated. So I'll then go through with you to make sure if there's any bits, we'll sit and I'll get you to check your personal bank statements and go, is there anything there that flags up that was for the business, but you didn't, you paid it out your personal account, not your business account, to make sure that they don't get missed off when it comes to calculating all your expenses. Cool. And do you help, um, as a lot of pet groomers, obviously, um, uh, that work from home, do you help them working out gas, and electricity and water and, uh, and allocating the percentages and stuff like yes. that? Yes. So there is a way of working out the percentages. Um, and I have some clients that are like we sit down and work out and it would be based on the size of the house how many rooms in the house, you know, what room, you know, how many rooms they use for their business, et cetera, et cetera. And there's ways of doing it. Or some, some people prefer the accountant to do it where they've got a little formula where they work out an allocation for working from home. So, but I, I do, I have some clients and we sit and we work out how many rooms there are, how many they use for their business. And we, we do some percentages and then allocate it to the business yeah and then you do give them the um are you able to give them the, the an estimate of their tax bill or i can i can roughly estimate it and i will always say it's an estimate because i'm not an accountant but i can work out roughly what sort of ballpark they they're going to be looking into paying their corp for their corporation tax cool or their their personal tax all their personal tax as well, yeah. This whole trade. And so so we've had this, we've had our pre-end of year meeting and we've gone through zero and you've queried this, that, and the other, and I've given you a, a reasonable explanation for it. <laughs> one that you're happy for, <laughs> happy with, or you've said 
No, Bill, you can't you can't claim that. What happened? Yeah, you, what you, happened? you can't claim your own summer's purchases through the business. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Not on. <laughs> what what happens if um I don't know, you're in the pub, um, you've had a few wines or a few beers, and you've gone to the bar and you've used your your business bank account to buy your next round of drinks and you're like oh bollocks that's not a that's not a business expense although some people might sort of sneak it through but what happens if um you do that what do you how do you get that out of your account do you have to pay the money back into your business or it depends if you're a limited company mm. then i would allocate that to you what's called the director's loan account Right. So then that would be offset against any um, dividends that you pay yourself. That would be offset against your dividends. Um, if you're a sole trader, well... It's your money, isn't it? It's your money, so... Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really... <laughs> I suppose this true. is where... Uh, yeah, I suppose asking, you're right. I'd be asking why I wasn't invited to the pub. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, from a limited company point of view, um, I normally allocate it to direct, what we call the director's loan account, and that gets offset against any dividends that you pay yourself. So, Yeah, and that's, I suppose that's, that's one of the differences between the two, um, uh, the limited company and the sole trader. Sole trader is any money, money that you spend, it's your money, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you just pay tax on uh, the profits or that you've made in the year as a limited company, it's the company's money, not yours. And yeah. I suppose that's the mindset difference, isn't it? That's um, it, yeah. And I've always I've always learned, I've always listened and learned about this um this fictional director's loan account. And sometimes there's money in there and sometimes there isn't. It's it's a, an account on paper, isn't it? It's a paper account which yeah. accountants yeah. just move money in and out of as and when. Yeah. So if you if you um especially at the start of your business, if you purchase some equipment or some software and you use your personal money at the start of setting up your business, um that would you could class that as director's loan account, you bring in money into the business. And then so any little bits like that, if you did spend would be offset against right, I see. So it swings and roundabouts, but it's a way of making sure that it's allocated appropriately. Yeah. So we've had our we've had our meeting and um you've said yeah you can you can claim all that bill. I'm really happy with your your zero accounts. Um you need to do the X, Y, and Z. Do I then just um how does that go to my accountant? How how do I get that information over to my accountant from you? Great question. Well, because you're my client on zero, I will allocate your accountant access to the zero package. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to go in directly and pull out anything that they need. And then I take it they just they'll do exactly the same for you. Just go through and audit it, and then yeah. complete the um, draw up the company accounts from that. And then question me as well. Do you get many accountants question you? Uh, yeah, they'll be more likely to come to me first to mm-hmm. ask questions before they'll come to you and that's the beauty of a bookkeeper is a kind of like that intermediary so they'll come if there's a query or something that flags up to them or they're not quite sure about they'll ring me first and say oh I was looking at this this is in here can you just go through this with me and that just saves again it just saves the client from being taking phone calls and getting stressed out by the accountant going I don't know I I can't remember what I did with that (laughs) 
I'm able to then go through it with them. I don't sure. get, to be fair, I have not, touch wood now, <laughs> I've not had <laughs> that many, to be fair, but uh, every now and again, I'll just get a quick query from an accountant. Um, but generally, if we've got everything straight before we submit it to the accountant and give them access to it, then there's not normally too many issues. So in theory, it should be a lot less work for the accountant. Yeah. I don't think they charge less, though, if you have a bookkeeper in. Sadly not. No. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I know. Because you're doing all the work for them, aren't you, really? <laughs> but for me, yeah, you know, I, I started my business and um, I thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Um, I'll do all my accounts. I'll do it on a spreadsheet, not a problem. I'll do my own payroll. Um, and then within two months, three months, I think I contacted you and said, I need you to, to do this for me. <laughs> and then I, I messed up my payroll. Um, and so within a couple of months, again, I just spoke to the accountant and said, look, can you do my payroll as well for us? You know, and it's been worth the waiting goal because, um, you know, I've had to go back to the accountant and say, uh, I'm paying loads of, um, you know, I'm paying tax. Is there a better way of doing stuff? And we've had the discussion about paying dividends. We've had yeah. a discussion of putting M on the payroll to open up um, national insurance allowances and stuff like that. So the conversations that we have with accountants and bookkeepers, just one educates us and allows us to understand what's going on within our books and what we can, you know, using using tax effect effect efficiently isn't it and um you know helps us to save money you know the accountant and yourselves i mean you badger me and saying that what what are you doing with your mobile phone or what are you doing here or or your post of vat and the accountant's like well try doing this for your pay and do this that and the other and it just saves money and helps to understand what's going on doesn't it it does and i read um a little while ago, it was it said that self-employed people generally spend on average two hours a week trying to do their bookkeeping. And if you think that's effectively a day a month and you could either be using that to drive your business forward and generate more money or do something really enjoyable. Yeah, like go out in the garden. Because yeah. <laughs> the weather's been really nice this week, isn't it? Has. but knowing and reassuring that you know i can just if i've got a question or query i just message you or i can pick up the phone or jump on a, a zoom call and go through um certain things certain bits and it's done isn't it um yeah. you know it's so much easier and saves so much time and then time saves money doesn't it time, time, time is money, time is money. <laughs> that's right so you, you've got um, you've got some top tips for us to um, help us increase our cash flow. Is that right? Yeah. So these are my five top tips. And funny enough, the first one is be prepared for tax time. Hmm. So a lot of people find they end up with a massive dent in their cash flow because they've not put away for their tax. And you know tax is coming. It's inevitable. It always happens. It's not going to stop. Well, they say death and taxes. Death and taxes are the only two things certain in life. So <laughs> um, sole traders, I always recommend that they put 20% of any income away for their personal tax. 
Limited companies, I recommend that they put 25% of any income into whether it's a savings account or a savings pot within your bank account. Mm-hmm. Put that away, forget it's there, pretend it doesn't exist so that you're covered, so that when you get that tax bill through, you're not then going, oh, gosh, uh, am I going to get that money together? Because bearing in mind from the end of your financial year, it's not just you've got nine months to submit your corporation tax return. You have to pay it by that date as well. So any tax owed has to be paid. Mm -hmm. And again, you don't want to be making that awkward phone call to HMRC because a lot of they won't buy every excuse. They're quite picky. Um, you don't want to be ringing them up saying, I can't afford to pay my corporation tax. Is there any payment plans you can put me on? It's better to just be cut and dry and get it all done. And if you've put that money away, that shouldn't be a problem. So if you're a um, sole trader or limited company, would you look at your end of month, look at how much you've um, brought in? Um, and then take 25, 20% off that? Or do you sort of look at what your profit, I suppose, look at the profit at the end of the month and then save 20% of that? So I look at, you can either, it depends what's easiest and going to work best for you because everybody's different. Um, So some people find it easier to look at what's coming and just go, right, I'll put 25% of that way. Um, I personally, I look at what's come in and my expenses to run my business that have gone out and I put 20% of what's left away. Yeah. And something to bear in mind is corporation tax is 19%, but from April 2023, so next year, it's going up to 25%. So that's quite a big leap. So if you can get into those good habits now, that's really going to hold you steady for the future. Yeah, and corporation tax is um, <clears throat> the, the tax you pay on the profits of your limited company, and then yeah. um, tax is, you know, normal tax for your sole traders out there. We have a mixture of both in the groups. So. You know, yeah, and something to bear in mind as well, if you're a limited company and you pay yourself dividends, that's not the same as paying yourself a salary. So salaries are classed as direct wages and they are an expense Mm -hmm. that they get deducted before your corporation tax gets calculated. Dividends are part of your profit. So any dividends you've paid yourself will be included in the profit that is used to calculate your corporation tax. Yeah. So Um, I'm learning that at the moment. Um, You know, salary removes some of your profit, whereas dividends doesn't. So you pay corporation tax on on your profit. Cool. Okay, so that's tip one. Prepare prepare for the tax. Be prepared for tax time. And be prepared for your VAT as well. And it's exactly the same for your VAT. You know, look at how much you've brought in every month and put away 20% or 12% if you're flat rate. Yeah, it depends what rate you're on. Yeah. And put it away and don't touch it. Don't mess with, don't mess with HMRC's money money, because that and that's what you're doing is you're collecting VAT on behalf of the government. It's not your money; it's theirs. Yeah, you're charging your clients VAT, or you're including it in your customers' pricing. However, whatever way you do it, whether it's VAT included or you're adding VAT on, but you are you're charging them VAT. 
and then you're allowed to offset some of the VAT depending on what rate or what scheme you're on that you're charged by other other companies in the UK but yeah you are effectively you are collecting the government's money for the government yeah yeah so tip number two and we've touched on this briefly and this is one that I try and stress over and over again keep your personal and business finances separate <laughs> start using your business card for all your personal transactions you'll completely lose track of your cash flow it will become so convoluted and complicated and you just won't know where you're at and this is actually um uh, you know i was using my cards today and um starling in particular has for our personal account we've got a green card and for our business account we've got a blue card so you can't you can't mix well hopefully you don't mix them up too much depends how many drinks you've had at the bar before you go up there for the next round <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> but yeah it's it just makes life very complicated and it will really unbalance your cash flow and you'll all of a sudden look at your account and go well, why have i only got that in it and then it just it makes life very difficult yeah cool tip number three tip number three sell old stock okay so if you've got a piece of machinery or equipment that it still can be used but you're upgrading to the new super deluxe 2022 model if it can still be used why don't you sell it there's plenty of people out there that are starting off and can only afford to buy a second hand to get themselves going yeah so you're helping them out and you're putting some money back into your business if it's not fit for purpose anymore don't leave it out for the rag and bone man contact the scrap people sell it for scrap and put that money back into your business i hear of so many people leaving stuff out oh it's no good anymore we'll leave it out someone will come and pick it up it's just done it. yeah yeah sell it sell it for scrap put that money back into your business you might have as well you might have purchased um a product that you were going to sell in your salon and it turns out that in your area, it's not actually a goer. Your clientele is really not into it. Mm -hmm. You've got a fantastic, massive group here. Reach out. There might be someone on there that actually, oh, we sell that and we do really well with it. You're not necessarily going to make money on it, but you're not then going to have a wasted stock that you're going to completely lose money on. Yeah. You know, you have retail sitting on your, sitting on your shelves, getting all furry and dusty. Get rid of it. Yeah. Sell it. Sell it to someone else who actually manages to sell that product and has a demand for it. Yeah, nice. Money coming into your business. All money coming into your business. All money coming in. So number four is forecast your cash flow. And so many people don't do this. But work out what what goes out every month what has to go out every month to keep your business running because mm -hmm. once you know that you can then work out how much you need to come in in order to be able to pay all that and from that you can work out then how much you need to be charging how many jobs can you get in in that time in a month how much do you need to charge for each job in order to be able to bring that income in so it helps you with your pricing as well as making you aware of what needs to go out every month 
That's it. Cool. And last one? And my last one is shop around. Now, people are brilliant at doing this with their homes, mm-hmm. but for some reason aren't great with doing it with their businesses when they own a premises. It's really weird. So why don't you, I mean, when was the last time you switched internet and phone provider at home? Oh, no, that's it. Right, you're often reviewing your insurances and everything, don't you? Insurance, internet, phone. I would say gas and electricity, but at the moment, they're all hiking their prices up and there's not really any deals out there. No. But look at your insurance. My car insurance comes in. I don't necessarily jump on and go, yeah, right, I'll renew that. I look around and I shop around to see if I can get a better deal. Mm-hmm. You need to be doing that. With, firstly, with your business insurance, you need to be making sure it's still fit for purpose because yeah. if you're taking on more staff or you've expanded or you've got more equipment, you might need to look at renewing your policy completely anyway. You might need to bump your policy up or take stuff out of it, depending on the circumstances. But shop around. Don't necessarily go with the same provider again. I know it makes life easy to just let it run on, but so many people waste money doing that. Shop around for your insurance. Shop around for your internet and your telephone providers. And if you lease equipment, shop around. And shampoos. Now, I'm the world's worst for quickly going on Amazon and going, oh, yeah, they've got that. Click. I've done it so many times. And then I've kicked myself because when I've actually had the time to sit and look around, I could have got that cheaper from elsewhere. So just because you've used the same supplier for years, they will have increased their prices. It might have been so gradual that you didn't actually really notice it was happening. Yeah. If you look at how much you've bought from them, Actually, that's quite impacting. So shop around, see who else supplies that particular product and compare your prices. And again, that's what comes down to seeing your monthly outgoings and then starting to drill down and, and looking at how much you're spending on what and saying, can I do I need to spend that? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So how, as a bookkeeper, uh, if someone was to come along to use your services, how do you price uh, your services for someone? So I price my services on the individual needs of any potential client. So I don't do set packages because all my clients have different needs and requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be based on what they need. So everyone needs the reconciling. And so I look at how many items generally need to be reconciled on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. because some might have 20, some might have 200. So there's a big difference in the time it takes to do that. Um, I have some clients where I invoice their customers for them. I have others that do that themselves or it's a mixture. So everything is worked out based on the actual requirements of the client and I will sit down with a client and work through what their actual requirements are mm-hmm. then I will calculate how much that costs and then if that's a bit much I could say well if you did this bit and I just did this bit it will make it that much or if you need more and we work it out as we go along so I don't have a set price as in I don't quote from or this is my package it's all based on the requirements of each individual client. And what, what generally when people come in to see you, what 
are their biggest fears and problems and they got to a point where they just can't cope or um normally it's just become so overwhelming that they know they're reaching that stage where they've got to open that shoebox and all that paper's going to jump out and they don't know where to start it just falls out all over the floor and they're just like ah it's gonna yeah. take me, this is going to take me weeks to sort out <laughs> and you're like don't worry I'll get it all sorted for you. Yeah. That's and next year, way. let me do it for you every day, every week. Or... That's normally when a lot of people approach me is when they're actually reaching that year end and they're like, all of a sudden, the reality of the task that they planned on doing themselves hits them. Mm. And they realise how much time and sometimes don't even know where to start or what they actually need to do with it. Yeah. And that you are a stress buster, I would probably class you as a bookkeeper <laughs> and a stress buster because we all we all see it in the, the comments in the group and in the groups and the stress that you know the end of year that we all know is coming, the end of year um causes people and the worry, anxiety, the stress, but you are there uh, as a fairy bookkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> to, to to sort that out for everyone aren't you for people oh i like that i'll take that fairy bookkeeper i like that yeah, one the stress um, buster that could be your new stress buster um i do find myself repeatedly saying to people don't panic yeah it's it's quite a common phrase that i use don't panic we'll sort this We'll get it sorted. Don't worry. That's I do find myself. Yeah, that's probably quite a regular, <laughs> regular saying for me because people do like get quite panicky, and I think it's natural, especially when it's something to do with you get a letter from HMRC or anything like that. People do if you if you don't necessarily HMRC don't always write things in a way that everyone can understand. They no. no. A lot of their their writing is clear as mud. Um, but I think people sometimes go into that panic mode as soon as they see those letters, those letters HMRC across the top, and they get into it like, oh, and I just say, send me a copy, just take a screenshot quickly on your phone, send it over to me, let me read it. Don't panic, we'll work it out. Yeah, awesome. And do you work with, uh, I know you're based in Essex, I take it you work with people all over the country? all over the uk the beauty of cloud-based software and zoom <laughs> and zoom and i do I, I have clients that literally take photographs of all their receipts and just whatsapp them over to me and then i upload them all zoom whatsapp facebook it's yeah it just enables me to work with people all throughout the uk awesome well, thank you for coming on and uh, chatting to us and your five top tips on cash flow. We'll um, let you get on with your evening. And uh, what we'll do, you hang out in the group anyway. So I'll take you in the talk. So if anyone's got any questions or um, want to speak to you privately about um, what you do and how you do it, then I'm sure they're more than welcome to. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in the group. So you know feel free to either tag me into a comment or message me privately if you don't want to discuss it out in the open forum it's not a problem at all i'm happy to chat and we'll um we'll get your website and uh, contact details out on the in the comments as well fantastic no thank you it's been a pleasure to speak to you this evening bill excellent we'll see you soon take care Bye.